This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations with host Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anin, hello, I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech and thank you for joining me for an in-depth conversation exploring how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current health crisis. Casinos across the country temporarily closed mid-March in an effort to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. Tribes in Minnesota voluntarily shut down casino operations, including related businesses like music venues and hotels. But that doesn't mean they stopped working. In many cases, tribes added additional ways to help their communities, providing food to students whose schools were closed, sharing video communications, and some are working on contact tracing to help slow the spread of the virus. And tribal nations are continuing to assess how they're moving forward, updating stay-at-home orders on reservations and deciding when and how to reopen businesses. Angela Hykus is the president and CEO for the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community Gaming Enterprise. What has been very uh, important to us as we have gone through this is really watching and understanding the guidance coming, you know, from the federal government, coming from the CDC, different health organizations, coming from the state of Minnesota. So our tribal public health department and our public safety areas have uh, been integral as we have gone through making these decisions. Their Mystic Lake Casino and Little Six Casino are currently back up and running. Upper Sioux Community's Prairie's Edge Casino and Resort is also already open, and a few other tribes are planning on opening up their gaming operations. As Angela Hykus commented, information from several guiding organizations along with tribal departments are putting the pieces together to make decisions. And these decisions are not made lightly. Reopening a casino is not like reopening a restaurant or reopening a a hair salon or one of these, a movie theater. Jason Giles is the executive director of the National Indian Gaming Association, which is a nonprofit advocacy group that represents tribal nations around the country with gaming operations. The casino has all kinds of minimum internal control standards that are there for the regulation of a gambling enterprise. You can't just turn those on and off. There's all kinds of security requirements. Giles remarks that though tribes are opening casinos, others aren't. Some of the tribes that just don't have strong healthcare systems on the reservation and are a commute away from the nearest hospital, they are at particular risk if the virus starts to spread. So it's up to the tribes to assess all their pros and cons for the good of their people and communities. I'd like to touch a little on how sovereignty has played a large role or has been a topic of conversation as tribes are not compelled to follow orders as prescribed by the state. And Minnesota, in the current administration in particular, has been working to increase government-to-government relationships between it and tribes. We've moved from stay-at-home to stay-safe Minnesota, and the state of Minnesota is now better prepared to handle COVID-19 patients than it was at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's reopening many businesses under new guidelines while sovereign nations determine their own. But we are seeing this evaluation of when and how to move forward done. Um, What seems to be in parallel to guidance coming from the state 
Here's a question asked at the May 20th Minnesota COVID response press conference and an edited portion of Governor Walz's response. Governor, can you talk about the communications you've had with the tribes? Uh, they're opening, I know that they're, they're sovereign, but uh, maybe you've had communications with them and advised them. They're opening casinos in a way that I don't believe would be allowed if they weren't on sovereign land. And, and I believe some youth sports, including, including hockey rinks in some areas, are, are being opened up there. These uh, independent uh, entities have the opportunity to do the decisions that they make. They worked very closely with us and mirrored our stay-at-home orders all the way up to the point where we're at right now. Um, they are starting to and thinking about how they are going to reopen. Some of them will be opening uh, immediately. Um, some are waiting to the end of the month, like Mystic Lake, Shakopee, Minnewapenton. So we work with them. We talk to them. We're actually learning from them because they have had experts come in and look at their space what does it take and what can you do in a casino? Because obviously those would be things that would make us nervous, not predictable, how much time you spend there and all of that. Um, but we're looking at them. But what I would say is that I respect the sovereignty of these nations. They will make the decisions based on the best interest and the health of their employees and their patrons that go there. Here with me now to talk about the employee perspective is RJ Dahl. RJ lives in Ball Club and is from the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and he works at the White Oak Casino. Welcome, RJ. Hello. Nice to be on again. How are you and the family doing, RJ? Uh, good for, for staying at home all the time, most of the time, but it's been nice since the lift, kind of, to move a boat. Wow. I actually got to see my mom this weekend for Memorial. Great. Um. So we went over and seen my grandpa's memorial over in, in Dina, which is not too far from Buffalo. So we still kept it pretty local. Uh, yeah, just raising the nephews and the daughters every day. You have been kind of the main parent slash teacher at home uh, with your little ones. And so now that we're basically at the end of the school year, in looking back, how did it go? Some days they just flew through their work and they were just getting it. And other days it was it was a struggle. Yeah, looking back, it was a very good experience, and I never thought I'd be laid off long enough to do something like this. Yeah. So you work at White Oak Casino, which is owned and operated by the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and Leech Lake has other gaming operations too. Could you please explain your role at the casino? Kind of what what do you do from the time you get there to the time you're done? My role at the casino is I'm a drop team supervisor. And so we go into the casino, we prep our floor, we count the blackjack money. Um, and then we go to the floor, we pull all the stackers out of the machines, put them into a car, bring them into a room. And we open those machines with sensitive keys and I mean those stackers. And we end up counting all the money, organizing all the money. Once we get all the money counted, we get verified and they come in and they get the money and they put it towards their books and uh, and then we head out for the day and, and that's a day in the life of a drop team member. Hey, sounds sounds pretty good to me. So how much money do you think you count in a day? Depending summertime, it's normally this is our good times. And so... Okay. That was probably proprietary information. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're a smaller casino, so I mean, I know there's larger casinos, <laughs> but we make about 130 in cash, and that's not including keto. So, because some days it could it could jump up to two, three hundred thousand. So. Wow. 
that, that's a lot of money to handle. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it after you've been around it for a long time. <laughs> gotcha. There was a COVID-19 update posted on Facebook on May 23rd by Leech Lake Chairman Farron Jackson Sr. And he mentioned a few things like uh, there's at least one confirmed case of COVID-19 on the reservation and that the stay-at-home order is declared at the moment through June 1st. But also that casino operations, they're planning on resuming next month. I heard that too. The 15th, maybe? Yeah, so... What's your reaction to the chairman's update? I'm glad to be going back to work. I want to get back to my, my routine. <laughs> um, I'm excited that, yeah. that he did say that we were going till the 1st, and then that I heard <clears throat> they're probably still going to come up with a plan between the 1st and the 15th. Yep. So Chairman Fairman Jackson Sr. explained that casino operations are planning to resume in June, like we just said, but with a phased approach. And I, it seems like that's pretty common um, for casinos that are reopening. And I do have kind of the list of the phases and how phase one, they'll open up like slot machines and some beverage services. And then phase two eventually will be more like the table games and the restaurant and the hotel and then phase three, like entertainment, national entertainment, bingo, fitness club. Um, but also, there are many things that will happen for keeping people safe just kind of off the bat. Like you said, um, providing temperature checks at access points, um, enforcing physical distancing, and having hand sanitizer, masks, and gloves available, and just like super cleaning, right? How do you see your job changing because of all these measures? I can, honestly, there wouldn't be a huge drastic change mm -hmm. for our drop team, for our little department, because we already have to make sure there's no guests in the aisle when we're cleaning, when we're taking machines out. So, I mean, besides when you clear an aisle out, you just stand six feet away and say, I'm sorry, we're clearing this aisle out. I guess we'd have to wear gloves now. Yeah. the whole time rather than not. And for me, I don't really like wearing the rubber gloves because I have sweaty hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and the job's already sweaty to begin with. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to learn how to have backup gloves just in case they rip from a box. We wouldn't be able to sit in the break room, I guess. Like, I don't know how they're going to do break rooms mm -hmm. now, that, now that you bring this up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so all kinds of questions I have now. Yeah, that's a big deal. You got to take your breaks, right? <laughs> but yeah, for our job, we already don't see a lot of people. But you handle a lot of cash, right? Like We handle the cash and I would just have to wear rubber gloves the whole time now and watch touching our face. We already have hand sanitizer in our count room. We've had it in there since, they, since I started working there. Yeah, because money, I mean... <laughs> That goes through a lot of hands. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News COVID-19 Community Conversations, supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. 
And today we are talking about tribal nations opening up casinos. And I'm joined here by RJ Dahl, a Leech Lake descendant who works at the White Oak Casino. He's been laid off and is awaiting news of the casino reopening. So RJ, what do you hope to see when you return to work? Familiar, smiling faces I've just seen before and just everybody happy to be back to work and to see each other. Like camaraderie is what I'll be really glad to be back to. Oh, that's great. So RJ, please stay on the line. Um, I'm definitely interested in hearing your response to Minnesota Native News producer Melissa Townsend's conversation with Joe Nakonabi, the CEO of Malax Corporate Ventures. They talked about the decision to reopen and the thoughtful steps the casinos are taking. Tribal-owned casinos across the country are reopening. California, Mississippi, Louisiana, Washington State, and here in Minnesota, tribes are reopening their casinos And these are business decisions, but in this era of coronavirus, these are also public health decisions. So today we're talking with Malak's head of corporate ventures, Joe Nekwadebi. Thanks for being here, Joe. You're welcome. So how did it feel to make that decision to close? I don't know. I guess in the moment, it was really tough. It was really scary uh, knowing what the properties represent to the region and especially what, what they represent for the Mille Lacs ban. When I look back at it, you know, I think it was actually an easy decision, you know, when, when you start to see the risks that our communities are at compared to other communities because of the high prevalence of diabetes and heart disease and smoking and obesity, yeah. you know, that, that was just the main thing on, on our mind and on my mind at the time. Yeah. I think the harder decision is upon us now and that's, how to reopen and when to reopen, I think that's much harder, I guess, than the closing decision. That's interesting. In, in what way is it harder? It's harder because there's this fact that we will be increasing the same risks that we were trying to avoid by closing. Mm. So I think, you know, financially we understand and it's easy to make the case for why we need to be open, but the the health risk and, and the risk to the community is really the the part that makes this very difficult. There's there's no question about the fact that when we reopen, we will increase the risk, and we've we've done everything we can to to mitigate that. But certainly, when you're inviting folks from all of the surrounding states and Canadian provinces to your community, there's there's definitely a, a factor of risk there. Yeah, for sure. I just read that the first confirmed case of COVID-19 uh, was reported in Mille Lacs. Does that bring it home in a different way? How did that affect you? So, yeah, there were two moments, I think, that brought it home. As much as we tell ourselves we know it's coming, it, it's still a shock when it hits the county. And then this week we had our first confirmed case in the Mille Lacs band community. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is this moment of shock. Interesting. I heard that you guys had a survey out to band members about how they felt about reopening. Tell me about that consultation process, Buller. What are you seeing people saying? So far, it's been an overwhelming yes response to, to reopening. 
in total, over 82, I think it's 82.2% of band members support reopening in June. And that's at the time that we're talking today. Um, so we'll, we'll keep watching that, those numbers, but, you know, it's pretty resounding vote of confidence to reopen with the safety measures that were in protocols that were, that were rolling out. So I was reading through the plan. You're talking about phase one. Mm -hmm. Do you have certain tables that won't open? Maybe half the slots? Like, how are you? So for in the phase opening, there'll be a few things that will not be open. Mostly places where people gather in, in tight quarters. Buffet definitely will not be open in phase one. And to be honest, may never reopen. The bars will not be open so we'll limit seating or or definitely limit how you can congregate around a bar our table games pit area so again those are fun spots for people to gather and watch people play and cheer on and all of that in phase one that will not be allowed the pits will basically be closed off to those that are playing and then those that are playing at the table in order to accommodate social distancing, there'll be less available spots to play at, at each table game. And then our bingo areas will will not be open. They're tight quarters, number one. Number two, they skew into a more at-risk age demographic. So for phase one, it's like, let's make sure we, we understand what volumes look like before we we can confidently say that we can execute those games safely. We we do want to have those games open. Uh, we are talking about where we would do that and how we would do that with proper social distancing. On the slot floors, we've seen various plans. Some folks are removing every other slot chair. Some folks are turning every other slot machine off. We We are not doing that. All of the chairs will be available all of the slot machines will be available. We've made tweaks to our layout to accommodate social distancing. What we're really asking for is guests to manage this on their own, and, and we will assist. So we will not allow people to sit next to each other on the slot floor. So if we see you sitting next to somebody, uh, our training dictates that we will come over, we'll, we'll explain our position on social distancing, and then we will ask you to slide over a chair or whatever to accommodate the, the social distancing. Are, are you requiring guests to wear a mask? I know you're requiring associates or workers to wear them. We did not take the step to require masks. Uh, we debated that and decided that we're kind of just one one notch lower than requiring and I guess we just call it strongly encouraging. You know, I was thinking about, I was talking with the head of gaming at Shakopee Midwakanton Zoo Community yesterday. And, you know, she just brought home sort of what the hospitality industry is about, right? Creating these great experiences for people. And now with all of these precautions, it's like there are all these points where, you know, your associates or workers may have to tell somebody to cut it out or stop doing that or move here or do this or even you can't come in because your temperature is too high. 
And it just feels like that's so against the grain of the hospitality industry, you know? Does that, yeah. does that feel like that? Like, is there a tension just in making any of these decisions? I think for most hospitality, that would be a significant deterrent. Gaming is a little different in my mind. The thing you're seeking in gaming is you're, you're seeking that anticipation of the win. It's the dopamine hit that your brain gets is you're anticipating a win. You know, that's 90% of the experience of gaming. And where that happens is pretty much in an isolated space. You know, that happens when you're sitting at your favorite slot machine, looking at the art that you like, you know, whether it's that buffalo that you want to hit or that gold coin you want to hit. All of that happens, you know, when you're in front of that game. Huh. Same thing goes on the table game side. You know, everything's happening right out in front of you on that small field of green felt. So we will definitely disrupt the smaller points of hospitality on the floor. But the core thing that guests are hiring us for, that will still be very much intact. And I think that it'll still be a very enjoyable experience for players. That's so interesting. Is there a consultant you could call in and be like, okay, pandemic-proof our casino? Or is this something you've had to just kind of figure out? I think it's been something we've just had to figure out. There is no playbook for this. Mm. The the good news for, for the gaming industry is that we already have the highest number of housekeeping staff to guest ratio than any other form of of tourism and and entertainment. We already have the highest amount of square footage to guest ratio. I just ran the numbers last night on our spot floor on a typical day. It's about 20 square feet of space per guest on our gaming floor. Hmm. So there's already this amazing platform for social distancing. Um, There are a few things we need to get rid of anyway as an industry, like smoking, that would make it much more healthy and much more sanitized. That's why we're opening smoke-free when when we open back up. Oh, really? Yes. So, again, there's no playbook. Um, I'm sure by now, a few months into it, there probably are consultants that will tell you that they'll do it, but... A lot of it's common sense and things change daily. So I think that's the other kind of thing. You have to be nimble. You have to be resilient. And there's no other more resilient people in the world than those of us in Indian country. So I think we have a lot of stuff going for us as far as responding to this. Yeah. You know, um, the last question is uh, sort of about politics. Um, it, It feels like this debate about opening or staying closed for any business across the country has become a very kind of partisan issue. Um, Where do you stand on all of that? I'm watching it from a distance. I'm a, a realist, I guess. I understand what sort of ripple effects come from grand casinos being open to how the East Central Minnesota region as a whole actually works. You know, politics aside, there's real businesses and real owners of those businesses and 
real people working jobs that need those jobs. And I think that's the thing that kind of weighs more heavily than, than the banter and the partisanship. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise and your experience. Is there anything else you wanted to add that I haven't asked about? I don't think so. I'm happy to be on this. This is cool. Thank you, Melissa Townsend and Joe Naquinabe for your conversation. Really great information. So back to you, RJ. Do you have any thoughts on what you're hearing Joe say? Was there something particular that he said that jumped out to you? Um, I would say like they're, all their machines are still on and um, they're taking their, their phase one pretty serious. I, it makes me wonder what, what our gaming director is implementing. It gets me curious hearing another um, gaming uh, person say all these ideas and, you, and it makes you wonder about your own casino and what their ideas are going to be. I think the whole when they put the survey out to their band members, that was pretty neat that over 80% people wanted their casino to reopen. And I've I've heard from my community members, you know, via Facebook, uh, that they, you know, a lot of them would, would like the casino to reopen. And I know there's that small percentage of people who say, no, that'd be a bad idea. But I like the idea of what, could happen for us and i hope that we go about it the right way too like they're trying to do so um, that shows you that they're not just opening up to open up they're taking their time and they're making sure everything's going to be good for the elders on the reservation absolutely so much care in you know not only the public that comes in but also employees of course and you know, community members, um, tribal community members, like, it's like, very, very thoughtful. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, on the flip side, though, Joe talked about recognizing the risks, too, that are involved in opening. The state of Minnesota is, you know, technically more prepared now to handle sick patients than a couple months ago. Um, Are you hopeful for positive outcomes um, from casinos opening in general, just around the state or country? I'm hoping that it, when we do open that the cases don't start to rise. And I really hope that this does start to dissipate the, the COVID itself. But yeah, reopening is, you know, I, I want positive out of it. And and I wouldn't mind the casino reopening. And I could say, yeah, I'd reopen it for them. Certain people that, you know, that was their livelihood and we had to close it down. I get, there's a lot of people up there that enjoy coming to the casino and some people don't understand that. And as a person who can understand it, um, to open something like that, as long as we take the right safety measures, I'm all for it. I really do hope it's positive. <laughs> For sure. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I say goodbye? I guess I could add that I really enjoyed uh, listening to that conversation and um, the perspective from the Grand Casino. I enjoyed that, and thank you for having me. Great. Well, miigwech, RJ, for joining us. Um, I so appreciate your perspective. 
and I really enjoyed being part of this. <laughs> and thank you for spending time with us for this special edition of Minnesota Native News COVID-19 Community Conversations. These are such unprecedented times and Though there are so many challenges to grapple with, I try hard to keep in mind why we're doing this for the health and safety of our communities. I'm Leah Lem, Chimigwech, and Gigawabaman. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.